Well, I want you to take your Bibles tonight, and I want you to turn to the book of Genesis with me, if you will. Uh, the book of Genesis, and we're going to carry on tonight with our series on finding victory in a failing world. And I've been looking forward to bringing this message to you for a while uh, in, in, in a, a sort of bittersweet. Uh, I really feel strongly about the message, but boy, it's sort of a sad, sort of a sad commentary. And... Uh, but I want to see if I can give us a little something tonight. Uh, I, I have points that I'm going to give you, but like it's just like introductory points. And, and after that, I just want to talk to you a little bit. And so I don't think this is going to be a very lengthy message at all. But boy, I hope it, uh, I hope it speaks to somebody's heart. Genesis chapter 19 in your Bibles, when you find your place, if you're able to stand, let's all stand out of respect for the reading of God's Word. Genesis 19 in verse number 12, the Bible says, and, and the men said unto Lot, Hast thou here any besides son-in-law and thy sons and thy daughters? And whatsoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place. Now, if you like to mark your Bible up, I want you to circle that verse or highlight it or underline it or, or however you like to do it. Verse 13 says, for we will destroy this place because the cry of them is waxing great before the face of the Lord. And the Lord has sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise. Take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him. And they brought him forth and set him without the city. And it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad that he said, escape for thy life. Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. Now I want you to, if, if you would, I want you to skip down to verse number 24. And the Bible says, Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven, and he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground, verse 24, here's our text. The Bible says, but his wife looked back from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. Well, there's a lot we could say right there. You know, the first thing I think about when I read that, I think maybe Abraham should have been bringing up the rear. Maybe he should have been behind his family, pushing his family. And so I want to take just a few minutes tonight, and I want to talk to you about that subject, why Lot's wife looked back. And so you may be seated tonight, and let's pray and ask the Lord to, to help us, and we'll jump right into the Bible study, and I hope it'll be a help to you tonight. Father, we love you, and Lord, we thank you so much for your goodness and for the opportunity to be back in your house again tonight. Thank you, Lord, for the great choir specials tonight, and 
Lord, the good congregational singing. I love to hear our folks sing. And then, Lord, for the great special that Miss Hannah just sang, we just thank you, Lord, for ministering to our hearts through the music. Lord, truly, you're worthy of praise. And I pray that you'd help us to worship you in spirit and in truth. And God, we thank you for the, for the music. Lord, we know that 1 Corinthians chapter 1 tells us that you have chose the foolishness of preaching. And Lord, to so many in the world, that's what this time seems like. It seems like such foolishness. But that's okay. That's what you said it would be. So I pray that, Lord, you will help us tonight. Lord, I pray that you'd help me direct my thoughts and my words. And I pray that we'll say only that that you'd be pleased with. And anything that you want us to, anything that we had planned on saying that you want me to skip over, well, I pray that you'd help me to skip over that. And anything that, that I had not planned on saying, but you want me to say that, well, I pray you'd help me include it tonight. And so, Lord, save that one that's nearest hell and encourage that one that's discouraged. And I pray you'd give us all a good challenge tonight. And I pray that Christ would be lifted up and glorified in a great way. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake and all of God's family said, amen. We find here that Lot and his family have escaped the destruction of Sodom. Interesting, so far everything that the angelic beings have told them was going to transpire has been 100% accurate. And one of the very explicit instructions that was given was this, look not behind thee. You ever wondered about that? Boy, I did. I wondered about that. I read that and I thought, Lord, why did the angel give Lot and his family that instruction, very explicit instruction, escape for thy life, look not behind thee. That was serious. We know how serious it was because when Lot's wife turned around and looked back, the Bible says she was turned into a, into a pillar of salt. And I thought about that. Why is it that, that the Lord would say, don't look back, don't look back? I thought about several references. I thought about that one verse, I believe it's in the book of Luke, that says that any man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is not fit for the kingdom of God. But I really believe this. I really believe that what God did in Sodom I believe it was very supernatural. I remember the story about Moses, and I know that you do too, and I know that this is, a, this is a little bit of a rabbit trail, but it's got a lot of meat on it, so hang in there with me if you will. I remember that story about Moses when Moses said, Lord, I want to see you. I want to see you. And remember what God told Moses? He said, Moses, no man can see me and live. He said, but I will do this. I'll put you in the cleft of the rock. And he said, after I passed over or passed by, he said, I'll let you see my hinder parts. I'll cover you. I'll let you see my hinder parts. But he said, no man can look at me and, and live. And what I really believe about this, I believe that God was doing something very supernatural in Sodom and Gomorrah when the Bible says that he rained fire and brimstone. A lot of scholars say, well, that was a, that was a volcano. And it could have been. I, I don't know. But I do know this. A lot of scholars try to explain away the supernaturalness of God. <laughs> now, if God wanted to use a volcano, he could. But it wasn't necessary for God to have a volcano. And God could rain fire and brimstone out of heaven without a volcano if he wanted to. But I believe that God was doing something very supernatural. And for that reason, I believe the angel said, don't look back. Don't look back. 
Because no man can see God and live. And I believe God was doing something there in Sodom and Gomorrah. And so I believe the admonition was, there's going to be something very supernatural going on in Sodom and Gomorrah. Whatever you do, don't look back. And of course, we know that Lot's wife did. And we find that after they've been spared from the overthrow and the wrath of God, that life's, that Lot's wife surely looks back. And when she does, she's instantly turned to a pillar of salt. Now, here's the question that we all want to ask. Why did Lot's wife look back? I mean, she's been spared. The angels have literally taken them by the hands, and they have removed them really physically. They've removed them from the overthrow. And so she's made it. She survived. I mean, the mercy of God has been uh, extended toward her, and and so she was going to live. And yet we find that she turns around, and she looks back. Can I give you just a few thoughts real quickly tonight? How about this? Number one, I don't believe she looked back because she missed the stuff of Sodom. Now, the reason I say that is because Lot had stuff. He had stuff. Lot had a lot of stuff. I believe that's probably why Lot was allowed to come into Sodom and sojourn is because Lot was such a rich man. Our Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 13 and verse number five, and Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. And verse six says, and the land was not able to bear them that they might dwell together for their substance was great so, they, so that they could not dwell together. So what that means is, is that Abraham was very rich and increased with goods and Lot was likewise very rich and increased with goods. And the Bible says that the land really couldn't even contain all their livestock and uh, all their animals and all their servants. And so uh, I believe that when Lot and his family went to Sodom, I believe that he was a very rich man. I believe that they were affluent, and I believe that they had a lot of things, but I honestly, in my heart, I don't believe that Lot's wife looked back because she missed the stuff. I'll tell you something else. I don't believe she looked back because she missed the sensitivity of Sodom. You see, history and tradition tells us that Sodom had no sensitivity. I wrote this down on my outline. Sodom was a lewd place with very rude people. And it was. Boy, if you study it out, uh, Sodom was very indifferent to visitors, even abusive. Man, some of the stories that I've read, uh, Sodom was a weird place. It was, you know, you've heard the statement, it's a good place to visit, but I wouldn't want to live there. Well, Sodom wasn't even a good place to visit. And you definitely wouldn't want to live there. And uh, uh, it was a, a place, I really believe this, it was a place that if you weren't a part of the elite, you were used and abused. In fact, in Ezekiel chapter 16 and verse 49, Ezekiel the prophet tells us what the sins of Sodom were. And he says this in verse number 49, Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom, pride, fullness of bread, abundance of idleness was in her and her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. If you were poor in Sodom, you were in bad shape. It was a, it was a, it was a mean place to live. And by the way, we, we see that, don't we? Because the Bible says when the angels came to Lot's house, that they came from every quarter, and the Bible says they begin to want the men to come out so they could know them physically, so they could rape them. And so I don't believe that Lot's wife looked back because she missed the sensitivity of Sodom. I'll tell you something else. 
I don't believe she looked back because she missed the safety of Sodom. Well, we know that's not the case. In fact, we know, according to Scripture, I think, what, Genesis chapter 12, I believe that's right, we notice the family had already been rescued once by Uncle Abraham. And so they had already been placed in dire straits before, and, and so uh, Sodom was not a safe haven. It was not a safe place to live. Um, it's even believed by some historians that one of Lot's daughters was executed because she assisted a beggar. Because a beggar had come into Sodom and she extended some mercy and gave him a loaf of bread. And because of that, some believe at least, it's at least reported that Lot's wife was executed because she assisted the poor. Now, this is where I'm going to differ from a lot of great scholars. I love Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Some of our people have said, uh, Preacher, can you suggest some good commentaries? And I always say, yeah, go get through the Bible with uh, Dr. Dr. McGee. Great commentaries. And they, they are. They're great. I had this discussion with my parents yesterday, and, and, uh, and uh, we were talking about this message. And my dad, who's probably watching tonight, and dad said, well, he said, this is what Dr. McGee says about that. And I said, dad, I said, I can't polish the shoes of J. Vernon McGee. But I said, this is one time when I, I differ in opinion with him. Dr. McGee believed this. He believed that this wife looked back because she enjoyed the sin of Sodom. That she had become so attached to the party life and that wild life that, that as they left the city, that man, she just couldn't fathom not being a part of the sin and the degradation and all of that. And uh, by the way, a lot of scholars sort of uh, lean that way. And I'm, by the way, they're, they're greater men than I would ever think about being. But I honestly believe in my heart of hearts. I don't believe that Lot's wife looked back because she missed the sin. I believe tonight without a shadow of a doubt that Lot's wife looked back because she was sick. She was sick of heart. I believe the, the answer to this question is in verse number 12. Look there, if you will, Genesis chapter 19, verse number 12. Here the angels have come to Lot and his family in Sodom and Verse number 12, and the men, that's talking about the angels, and the men said unto Lot, hast thou here any besides, look what, it's, what, what they say, son-in-law and thy sons and thy daughters and whatsoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place. Now, I believe this. I, I don't believe this question from the angels was accidental. I believe personally, I believe they knew exactly who Lot had living in the city of Sodom. Now, here's what the Bible, uh, the Bible, at least we know, here's what we know. We know that he had sons-in-law. The Bible tells us that in verse number 14. By the way, sons-in-law. So sons-in-law, and I just follow my logic here tonight, sons-in-law naturally implies that Lot had married daughters. If you have a son-in-law, well, you have a, you have a daughter. Uh, you can't be, uh, you can't have a son-in-law, really, without having a daughter. And so sons-in-law implies that Lot had married daughters. But I want to ask you a question. Why does the Bible make mention of sons and daughters? Did you know that we find no recording in this Bible 
where Lot ever went out and talked to his sons or daughters. The only thing the Bible records is that Lot went out after that admonition from the angels and he talked to his sons-in-law. By the way, I believe he did this in the night. Personally, I believe he probably had to wake them up. I believe he woke them up in their homes and he began to tell them, listen, the angels have come. God's going to destroy this city. You've got to get out. And the Bible says he seemed as one that mocked under his sons-in-law. And so we know that he went to his sons-in-law, but we find no record anywhere of, of, of Lot talking to his sons or Lot talking to his daughters. And I believe personally tonight that there's little doubt that the scripture is referencing grandchildren. The Bible records in verse number 31 of that chapter that Lot was old. He was up in age. And when the Bible speaks of sons and daughters, when the angel said sons and daughters, I believe it's a direct reference to Lot having grandkids. Now, you say sons and daughters, but, but, but preacher said sons and daughters. You're right about that. But listen to what the Bible says about Job. You don't have to turn there. But in Job 42, verse 16, the Bible says, After this lived Job 140 years and saw his sons and his sons' sons, even four generations. Malachi chapter 3 and verse number 6 says it like this, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. By the way, he wasn't just talking about Jacob and his sons. He was talking about Jacob's sons and Jacob's sons' sons and Jacob's sons' sons' sons. And he was talking about those grandchildren. By the way, this is also the reason that I believe that when, when Abraham was talking to God, he said, God, remember the story? He said, God, he, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Lord, if you can find 50, will you spare the city? God said, I'll spare it for 50. By the way, I think Abraham knew 50 weren't there, wasn't there. He said, Lord, how about, how about a lack of the, a five of the 50? And you know the story, don't you? And little by little by little, Abraham went down and down and down. And listen to this. And he said, Lord, don't get mad at me. We just spare it for 10. You say, preacher, why did he say 10? Well, I believe I know why. Lot and his wife made two. He had two unmarried daughters. We know that. He had two married daughters at least. He may have had more than that, but we know he had at least two because the Bible says sons-in-law. He had two sons-in-law. That's eight. You know what I believe? I believe he had grandbabies. I believe that Lot had grandchildren that were living in Sodom. By the way, no wonder the angels had to hasten Lot. Look at verse 15. Verse 15. The Bible says, and when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot. Now, wait a minute. Now, follow the story. So he's went out in the middle of the night, and he's, he spoke to his sons-in-law. And, of course, uh, his daughters were probably in there. Grandchildren were in there. And he spoke to, spoke to his sons-in-law. And he said, listen, God's going to destroy this place. and You've got to get out. And yet the Bible tells us there in verse number 16. And while he lingered, he lingered. What, what, what was he doing? He was dragging his feet. He was procrastinating. They said, Lot, 
You've got to get out of here. And yet he, he lingered. Why did he linger? By the way, no wonder the angels had to hasten Lot. Verse 15, and when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. Verse 16, and while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand, and upon the hand of his wife, and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him, and they brought him forth, and set him without the city. And by the way, church, no wonder that Lot's wife looked back when judgment began. And isn't this interesting? She didn't look back until then. Look at it. Look, look at it in your Bibles. Genesis 19, verse 24. Genesis 19, verse 24. Would you look at the very first word? Then. As soon as they had come out of the city, then. The Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven, and he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. Verse 26, here it is. But his wife looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. You know what I've got to believe? I have got to believe that she was okay until the fire began to fall. And then she couldn't stand it anymore. And she knew that God said, whatever you do, don't you look back. But when that fire began to fall, I don't believe she could stand it. And I believe at that moment, that's when Lot's wife looked back. You say, why'd she look back? You know what I believe? I believe she had hoped to see a daughter with some grandbabies in tow. Oh, man. Don't you know that? Don't you know she looked back and she thought, oh, Lord, I know we messed up. I know we have. But oh Lord, I know you said don't look, don't look back. But I believe when she looked back, I believe she hoped that she'd see a daughter and maybe a couple grandbabies, and 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 maybe they were trailing way behind. And I believe this. I believe that Lot's wife went back, and man, I believe that she began to remember those pigtails, and I I believe she began to remember that first scraped knee, and that she had to clean up and put band aids on, and I believe that she remembered that first day of school and packing their lunch and 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 taking taking care of them and drying their little eyes. And you know what I believe? I believe she remembered that first birthday party for that little grandchild where they sang happy birthday and that granddaughter or that grandson blew out the candles. I believe she was remembering all these things and all these things were coming back. And, and I want to say, no wonder Lot's wife looked back. That's the message. By the way, parents, decide now not to look back with regrets. Don't, don't get 10 years down the road and say, well, I wish we would have stayed in church. I wish we'd have been consistent with reading our Bible. I wish we'd have stayed connected to a ministry. I wish that we would have continued to have a family altar. Oh, listen to me. Don't look back with regrets. And say, boy, I wish, I wish we'd have kept our family solid in the house of God, plugged in, in the house of God. But we got out, and I want to ask you a question, what happened? What happened? Well, you say, preacher, uh, the, the church spent some money, the church spent $1,000, and we didn't agree with how that $1,000 was spent. 
Are you serious? And so because the church spent $1,000, you pulled your family out, pulled your kids out, got them out of the youth group, took them out of Sunday school, got them away from the will of God. Somebody says, well, you know, preacher, what it was is, is out of 100 songs, the choir sang one song that I didn't like. Are you serious? One song out of 100 you didn't like. And so you took your kids and your wife and you pulled them out of the house of the Lord and pulled them away from the will of God and got them out from under Bible preaching and, uh, and got them out of the wilderness of Sodom and Gomorrah. This is all I'm saying. Man, what we need to do is just decide today we're gonna dig some deep roots and come hell or high water. It don't matter. I'm staying. I'm staying. And by the grace of God, nothing is gonna get us out. It's crazy, folks, what, 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 what people are leaving for nowadays. Some of you have heard this story, but it happened many, many years ago. We were down here in the old building. It was, I, I, remember, I remember it vividly. We were having pastor's class like we do here. And that morning, I just mentioned, I mentioned nursery. Well, I still, to this day, 30 years later, I still do that. Listen, you understand that some people come into this church, they don't even know we have a nursery. Uh, and by the way, a lot of folks have attended churches. They had no nursery. They didn't know churches did that. And so sometimes I'll just mention nursery and say, hey, listen, we've got a nursery and it's available for your little ones. And we've got, you know, a caring staff that's uh, staffing that nursery just like we do tonight. And, uh, but anyway, Sunday school class, and I mentioned uh, nursery, and if you have little ones, you'll take them to the nursery. And this lady was in the uh, audience that morning, and for some reason, she thought that I was talking directly to her. And so she got up abruptly from the Sunday school class. She went downstairs. She had a boy in Sunday school. She had a girl in Sunday school. She ripped them out of the Sunday school class. They got in their car. They ripped out of the, out of the parking lot, and they never came back. You say, what happened? I'll tell you what happened. Destruction. Amen. And you don't have to take my word for it. That family blew apart in so many ways. I'm talking about problems. I'm talking about crime. I'm talking about prison time. I'm talking about uh, divorce. I'm talking about, uh, listen, uh, just about as bad as you, could, as you could think. Now, what are you saying? I, I'm saying this, that that lady would have been far better if she'd have said this. Uh, I don't know for sure that pastor was talking to me directly, but, but I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm just going to give him the benefit of the doubt. And uh, my kids were, are doing good. By the way, her kids were doing good. And they were involved in the youth group and doing, doing well. And she would have been a whole lot better off to say, listen, my kids are doing good. I'm going to just swallow my pride and I'm not going to take this personally and we're just going to stay in here and if preacher meant that I'm just going to forgive him and we're going to go on and I'm going to keep my kids plugged into the house of God my dear friend she would have been 10,000 times 10,000 times better if she would have done that and yet she left for no good reason and it ruined her family early in my ministry I was teaching on the book of Revelation. Well, if you want to get in trouble, teach on the book of Revelation. Because every Bible scholar thinks they've got the book of Revelation figured out. And the truth of the matter is, none of us really do. And I've got some old outlines that I preached about 25 years ago, and I'll sell them real cheap to if you want them. 
uh, they're really good outlines. They're just not doctrinally sound. And, uh, but anyway, I was teaching in this Bible study, I was teaching that the 24 elders in Revelation were a type of the church. By the way, I still believe that to a degree. But there was a person in the church and they believed that the 24 elders was a type of Israel. And so what they did was they got upset because I taught that the 24 elders were a type of the church. And so they left the church, took their family out. By the way, all their family was doing good. Their family was involved in ministry. I mean, they were singing specials. They were working in ministries. They were growing in the Lord. Uh, Members of their family were getting saved. Everything was going great. And yet this gentleman got upset and he left the church. And by the way, he told me that. He left the church. His family left the church with him. You say, what happened, preacher? I'll tell you what happened. Buddy, that, that family blew apart every single way. I'm telling you, sin came in and destruction came. Now, wait a minute now. You say, Pastor, what are you saying? I'm saying we would have been better to agree to disagree. He said, well, I believe that the 24 elders are Israel. Okay. Big deal. It's not worth destroying your kids over. I mean, just wait till you get to heaven and the Lord will show you that I was right. Just, Just hang on. I'm being facetious. You know that. Now, hey, church, this is all I'm saying. If, you don't, if you're not careful, the devil will come in. And he'll give you some kind of a flimsy excuse. Well, somebody didn't shake my hand. Well, somebody in the, in the church got six cards, and I only got four. Now, sure as I said that, some, that happened. I, I, listen, I don't know if it did. I'm just preaching tonight. But the devil will give you an excuse every single time. Don't wait to raise your kids for God and then live with regret the rest of your life. Several years ago, we had a young man who was attending our church. He was attending faithfully. He was growing. He went to youth conference with us. He went to youth camp with us. He was involved in Sunday school. And he was, he was doing well, but he got off course. And by the way, he's just a young man, prime of life, young man. And he got hooked up with the wrong kind of crowd. And they started doing drugs and all kinds of stuff. Long story short, they found him dead. Prime of life. I mean the prime of life, a young man. One of the last times I ever saw him before he passed away, He looked like he wasn't even in the world with us. He looked like he was in a fog. And they found this young man tragically. They just found him. I won't tell you where, but they just found him. They found him dead. And I went to the family's home. And I remember standing in the driveway trying to console the dad. And the dad just wept. He just wept. And I put my arm around him. And I prayed with him. And I tried to console him. But church, I'm going to tell you something. In my heart... I wanted to say, why didn't you go to church with him? Why didn't you come with him? I mean, you're so upset that he messed up his life. Where were you? Why weren't you sitting beside him? Why weren't you the one that was encouraging him to come? And now this dad 
living with regret. And, 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 and this is not good preaching tonight, but I'm just telling you what he should have done was he should have said, you know what, we're just going to dig in, and man, we're just going to grow deep roots, and, and, and son, we're going, and, and we're going to be there with you, and we're going to go to Sunday school with you, and we're going to go to preaching with you, and we're going to get in, involved in ministry with you, and we want to get you involved in the youth group, but he didn't do that, and now he's living a life of regret. Hey, parents, don't, don't go through life looking back and saying, man, I wish, I wish. Several years ago, I preached a funeral for a teenager. And teen funerals are always sad. And uh, I noticed after the funeral, this family had very little to do with us and, and really zero to do with our church. And so weeks and weeks had passed and we went by to visit, and I knocked on the door, and they reluctantly invited us in. It was not the hospitality team. It was very cold. They never invited us to sit down, and we didn't. And I remember standing on the door, and I could tell, boy, they were very standoffish and very quiet. And then they said something like this. They said, we're offended I said, okay, what are you offended at? We are offended because you didn't bless our child. You know what they were saying? You didn't preach our child into heaven. That's what they said. You didn't bless our child. Church, I know. Y'all pray for me. I still got a lot of growing to do, a lot of growing. But in my heart, brother, I'm telling you something welled up. I didn't, I didn't say it, but I wanted to. Yeah. And I wanted to say, how dare you? How dare you for accusing me of not blessing your child? What you should have done was bless your child when you had the opportunity to bless your child. Your child's coming to church. You're laying at home in the bed. I mean, your child's coming. We can't, we can't get you the, to darken the door of the church. You won't come to Sunday school. You won't come to preaching. You won't come to revival. You won't get involved in a ministry. And yet you have the audacity to, to, to accuse me of not blessing your child. Listen, what we need to do as parents is say this. While I have the time, while I have the energy, while I have the ability to do it, I'm going to bless my children. I'm going to make sure that I do everything I can to push them toward the things of the Lord. And uh, by the way, no, no choices. I just give my children a choice. Oh, no. I had a drug problem when I was growing up. I was drugged to church Sunday morning, drugged to church Sunday night, and drugged to church on Wednesday night. Uh, Mom and daddy never gave us a choice. They always made us go. And by the way, I look back on that now, and I thank God I had a mom and dad who cared that enough for me to make me go to the house of the Lord. Oh, listen to me. This is all I'm saying. Don't look back with regret. You know who I like? I like people like Joshua who determined not to look back with regrets. In fact, would you look with me at Joshua chapter 24 and we're done. Joshua chapter 24 and verse number 15. Joshua 24 and verse number 15, I love it. Joshua, I think Joshua had his head screwed on right. 
And Joshua was up against opposition. But notice what he says in Joshua 24 and verse number 15. He said, and if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. In other words, hey, you do what you want to do. You want to go this way, you go that way. You want to live in the world, you live in the world. You want to get out of church, you get out of church. But I'm just telling you, as for me and my house, we're not going with you. We're not following in your footsteps. We're going to raise our kids in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And we're going to make sure we have them under Bible preaching and gospel music. And we're going to get them involved in a ministry and get them plugged in. Hey, parents, don't you look back with regret you know who I like I like folks like little Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 1 who decided not to look back with regret 1 Samuel chapter 1 you know what Hannah did Hannah couldn't have a baby and so she went to God and she poured her heart out to God and this is what she said she said God If you'll give me a boy, listen to this. If you'll give me a son, I'll give him back to you. You say, Pastor, what'd she do? She did exactly what she said she'd do. Listen to the scripture. In 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse number 27, Hannah said, for this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition, which I asked of him, Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. By the way, you read that story a little further. You know what? She left him at the house of God. She left him. Boy, you know it would be great if we had some parents who just decided we're leaving our kids at the house of God. Now you're not leaving them with me, all right? Okay, I'm not talking about that. (laughs) But you ought to say to your family, church is going to be a part of our life. Preaching is going to be a part of our life. Prayer meeting is going to be a part of our life. Choir is going to be a part of our life. Ministry is going to be a part of our life. Youth group is going to be a part of our life. I'm thankful I had parents. They may be watching tonight. I'm thankful that I had parents who determined not to look back with regrets. Just little stories that I remember that stand out in a kid's mind. We're at a Christmas to get together at Granny's, Granny Mac's house. Man, a lot of the family has come in. We're all there, all my siblings, my brother, three sisters, and a lot of family members. One of the family members brought some, some wine in. They brought some liquor in. And I'll never forget it. I was just a little kid. What I'm telling you, though, kids remember. I was a young kid. And I remember a family member asking my dad, Bill, would you like some? And I'll never forget his answer. He looked at them and said, I can't because I have kids. I don't know if he knew I was there listening, but I heard it. You know what dad was saying? I can't. Even if I wanted to, I can't. 
because I know my kids are watching. They're watching. And I don't want to get down the road and have a lot of regrets. I remember my dad telling the story, telling me the story. Uh, we were always faithful to church. Thank God I had a mom and dad who I've got, the, I've got that kind of legacy. And uh, we were campers. Some of you folks like to camp. We had a place out at Lake Lookout. We would go camp. On the weekend, we would go camp. And I can't remember if we even had a camper. I don't think we had a camper. I think we had a tent. And we would go out to Lake Lookout, and we would camp on the weekend. But it was close enough where we would always go to church. And so we would camp. We would stay there on Sunday. But we would get up on Sunday morning, and we'd drive to our church. Then we'd come back and we'd have a time at the lake, eat dinner. We might go out on the boat or something. And then that on Sunday night, you know what happened? We'd go back to church on Sunday night. Well, there was a bunch of folks that had come in on that Sunday afternoon. And we were eating and they were boating and having a good time. And, and just a little bit before church time, Dad said, all right, everybody go get ready. And so we started getting ready. And we're getting ready to go to church. And a lady came and physically, she got my brother and she said, Bill, why are you going to make this boy go to church? Why don't you let him stay here and have fun? And my dad physically went over and took my brother out of the stronghold of that woman and we got in the car, and we went to the house of God. Amen. You say, Pastor, that's excessive. You call it what you will. But thank God I had a mom and dad who said, I'm not going to look back with regrets. Thank God I had a mom and dad who made church big and made Jesus big and said, you know what? We love the lake, and there's nothing wrong with getting out on the boat, going fishing, having a good time. But when it's time to serve God, it's time to serve God. Amen. I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt. Lot's wife looked back because she had some daughters and some grandchildren who she hoped so much were coming out of that city. I'm thankful for your faithfulness. I'm thankful for your steadfastness and your love for the Lord. We've got a lot of new parents, a lot of young children a lot of young parents, and we've got a lot of young people that are going to be parents in just a little while. Hey, kids, when I say kids, you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you young adults and you young teenagers. You say, we're not going to have any kids, preacher. I know. I know. Yeah, we, we're, we're not going to have any kids. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that may change. You probably will. But when you do, decide now that you're not going to look back with regret. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's bow our heads tonight. Father, thank you for this time we've had together. And Lord, thank you for this story. Lord, literally you have. You've taken the top off of a home in the Old Testament, Lot's home. And you've allowed us to peer down inside of some very personal things. And God, our Bible is very clear about this. That, that Old Testament story was given for our example. So we could learn something from that. Lord, there's a reason that you allow us to see Lot's wife looking back and 
being turned into a pillar of salt. Lord, Lot's wife had some regrets. Oh, she wished now. She'd have done things so different. Oh, Lord, I think she wished that she would have stayed with Uncle Abraham. Somehow they would have made that work. I believe that she wished that they never even heard of Sodom and Gomorrah. And God, that they would have steered as far away from that place as they possibly could. But at the time, it looked like the thing to do. The bright lights, the prestige. And now, Lord, she's living life with regret. Because there's children and and grandchildren who are in the judgment. Father, I pray that uh, you'd give us some moms and dads who tonight would maybe tiptoe down to this old-fashioned altar. Maybe a husband needs to take his little wife by the hand and just tiptoe down to this altar. And tonight they need to pray something like this. Lord, help us. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Doesn't matter what everybody else does or everybody else says. Doesn't matter what other directions others may go. But as for us, we will serve the Lord. Father, maybe some moms and dads need to come tonight and dedicate their kids to the Lord. Father, tonight I pray that you do your your handiwork. It could be there might be someone here tonight that needs to be saved. I pray that you'd save them. Father, work in our midst, please. And we thank you and praise you for it in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Just real quickly tonight, real quickly. I wonder if there might be one here tonight who would say, Pastor, if I died tonight, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. I want you to pray for me. Is there one like that anywhere tonight? You'd allow me to pray for you. Pastor, if I died, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Would you remember me in prayer? And right now, you'd slip your hand up and let me pray for you. Is there one, anywhere, anywhere, I could pray for you? Can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? In just a moment, we're going to stand to our feet. I wonder how many daddies tonight may tiptoe down to this altar and say, God, help me to be the spiritual leader of my home. I'm thankful for a godly wife, but I'm not going to settle for my wife leading our family spiritually I will be the spiritual leader of my home I'll push my family and point my family to God as for me and my house we will serve the Lord I wonder how many mamas here tonight would be like Sarah Edwards that we preached about this morning who would say by the grace of God I'm going to make a difference in the lives of my kids and by the way, some of you grandparents here tonight, I love you. And I'm, I'm in that grandparent club now. I've got seven wonderful grandbabies. But some of you grandparents, quite honestly, if you grandparents don't walk with God, some of your grandkids don't have a prayer. They don't have a prayer. And we've got some grandbabies tonight that need a miracle. They need a miracle. If they're going to make it, they're going to have to have a miracle. You know what? If mom and daddy aren't going to pray for them, we're going to have to have some grandmas and grandpas that will. And that'll take a stand for the Lord. 
Let's all stand tonight, if you will, please, all over the house. Father, I pray that you'll have your way in this invitation. Lord, I'd like to deliver the message better than I did tonight, but I pray that you'll take it, and I pray that you'll bring the increase. Father, we do know this. There's a lot of things we don't know, but we do know this. Satan is after our homes. He is after our homes. God, tonight, help some dads to come, some moms to come and pray a hedge around that house. God, it might be tonight that some moms and dads need to go home and literally walk around the house, pray, and say, oh, God, put a hedge around this home. Oh, God, hedge my teenagers in. Don't let them get into sin. Don't let them ruin their life. Lord, it could be there's somebody here tonight. The devil has given them some type of an excuse and he's trying to get them sideways with the Lord. And tonight they'd come and they'd say, it's not going to work. We're staying plugged in. God, have your way in this invitation. Speak to hearts, please. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Would you come tonight while we wait? Would you come? Let's do business with the Lord tonight. You say, Pastor, he's not after my home. (laughs) I beg to differ. He's after your home. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Would you come tonight? Would you come? I know I've not preached to the lost tonight, but it could be there's somebody here this evening who would say, Pastor, if I die, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Why don't you come right now? Why don't you, why don't you come? Hey, can I get some folks just come down here around Brother Mike and Miss Gay and just pray with them? Just pray over them tonight. Father, we thank you for your blessings. Lord, I do believe that the enemy is seeking to hinder our homes. Lord, our kids have a major target on their back. Father, we're praying tonight that you would please protect our houses, our homes. Father, I pray tonight that you would put a hedge around our church. God, protect us from the evil one. Father, we're no match for him. But we know the greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And I pray tonight, Heavenly Father, that you would be our shield and our strong tower from the enemy. God, we pray for Brother Mike and Miss Gay and their family tonight. Lord, as there's an empty place in their hearts tonight. Father, the parents aren't supposed to bury the children. The children are supposed to bury the parents. But Lord, we know that you have a perfect plan. And Lord, tonight I pray that you'd comfort them. And I pray that you'd give them grace. I pray for Sister Dreamer tonight. 
And I pray for Mike and Angie and Tina and Devin and Tracy and that whole family. God, that you'd give them tons and tons of grace. I think about Miss Angie's mom. Lord, I pray that you'd give her glorious amounts of grace. I think about Latell and little Miles tonight. I pray that you'd give them much grace. And Father, I pray that you'd protect us. And Lord, I don't know why this week we sort of got focused on this, but I can't get this out of my mind, Lord, that when we are weak, that's when you're strong. And Lord, we're weak right now. And so God, we sure need you to be strong. Show your strength. And God, I pray that you'll help us to maneuver through these things. Give us grace. And Father, through all these things, I pray that we'll give you praise. And I pray we'll give you glory. Thank you for what you're doing. And thank you for what you're going to do. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. And for his sake, and all God's people said, amen. Hey, we're going to sing this little chorus tonight. I think Lot's wife wishes that she would have decided to do this instead. And so, hey, church, we're going to sing together. I want you to give it your all tonight. Just a little chorus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. And let's think about those words as we sing it today.